listening to The Venue Podcast. The Venue is a worship gathering of Southcrest Baptist Church. To learn more about The Venue at Southcrest, visit us online at southcrest.org or on Facebook and Instagram by searching for Southcrest Baptist Church. We hope this podcast helps you find your greatest pleasure and purpose in Jesus. Y'all pray with me. Jesus, you are more wonderful, more beautiful, more powerful than anything or anyone. God, we recognize that we as individuals need you right now. We as broken people need you. And Lord, our our country certainly needs you right now. Lord, there is not a, ultimately there is not a hashtag, there is not a strategy, there is not a politician that can fix all of the issues, Jesus, but you can. So we, we look to you for, for wisdom, for direction, for guidance, Lord, as a country, but also as, as believers, knowing and trusting that you do have the answer. Well, the Bible maybe doesn't lay out every single detail of how we're supposed to live, but we have the Holy Spirit within us to guide us and direct us as we read scripture, as we talk with you. And so we pray that now as we, as we study your word, knowing that it is powerful and 100% true and equips us for all we need to live a godly life, we pray that you would speak to us. And we pray that whatever may be going on in our hearts and minds, that you would maybe calm that down, that most of all, we would hear from you this morning, that we'd walk out changed. We're thankful for your presence in this place. We're thankful for other believers to gather with and to be encouraged with. And we're thankful for your word. God, we love you and look forward to how you're going to speak to us. It's in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. Amen. Y'all go ahead and grab a seat. The worship team did a good there, a good job there of uh, stalling. I was supposed to be up here, but yeah, we give them a hand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was uh, helping my wife get some. Kids eating goldfish out of here, my kids, namely. <laughs> hey, by the way, if, if you aren't normally in here because you're normally in big, kid, big gig or somewhere else, will you raise your hand real quick if you're a kiddo? Can we tell them thank you for being here? Yeah, super awesome, super glad you're here. Uh, man, you're, you're welcome. Parents, just, it's all good. My wife and I have two-year-olds, and so like, we get it. It's all good. You're not going to distract me. It'll be okay. Two Sundays ago, I started preaching, and I was watching my kids literally run laps around the chairs. I was like, focus, focus, focus. So it's going to be okay. Hey, if you have your Bible, I hope you do, turn to Colossians chapter 3. We're starting chapter 3. Um, and if you don't have your Bible, you can uh, lean six feet in front of you and grab a Bible from the chair back, haha, ha, uh, chair, from the chair back in front of you. Colossians chapter 3. Man, excited that you are here with us this morning, and if you're watching online, uh, grateful that you're there as well. I was talking to Mr. Bob earlier, one of our greeters, and he was saying, the one bad thing about online is I never respond to him when he asks me a question. So Bob, you, you got a question this morning. I got you, bro, okay? I'm with you. Colossians chapter 3. If there was a time that it was evident that the world is in need of godly, serious, sold out, world-changing Christians, it's right now, isn't it? 
Not just cultural Christians, not people who just show up on Sunday and kind of go through the motions, but people that are in love with Jesus, that people that when they sing, what a beautiful name, what a powerful name, what a wonderful name, that they actually mean it, that their heart is stirred with love and affection for Jesus. It's right now. Amen? Like there's, man, (laughs) there's been too much, too long of just kind of cultural, wishy-washy Christianity. I, I think... Sorry, I was in First Thessalonians all of a sudden. Um, I think there's a passage that shows us, really teaches us how we become that kind of Christian. It, it's right here in, in Colossians 3 uh, of what it means to be, to be really how you become a sold out, real deal Christian. And there's... What's interesting about chapter three is it's kind of this hinge point. In chapters one through two, Paul's been laying out all this theology, all this doctrine about who Jesus is and why he's so worthy of our worship, why he's so worthy of us following him. And then in chapter three, he kind of makes this shift of how it changes our life. So just, we've talked about this before we went through the book of Ephesians, but if you know Jesus, it should change your life, right? This is not just your best life now, now I feel good, Jesus makes me happy. No, it's Jesus, he does make you feel good. He does bring peace and joy and love to your life. But then that should bring about a change in your life, right? And that's what chapter three is, this shift we begin to talk about. So because of who Jesus is, here's how your life should change. So join with me. We're just gonna be in four verses this morning. Chapter three, verse four. If then... You have been raised with Christ. Seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Man, such a a simple passage, but a really needed passage. And it starts off with two, a two-letter word, if. But this is a huge word. It's a really small word with huge implications. If then you have been raised with Christ. So he's, he's, uh, what he's doing there, he's really narrowing down who he's talking to. If you've been raised with Christ. So not if you like to be a good person, if you typically vote Republican, if you were raised in West Texas. No, if you have been raised with Christ. So he's talking to born again believers. You with me? <laughs> you with me? All right, okay, good, good. Yeah, is this an online church? Are y'all online? I'm just kidding. Yeah, we're talking to each other. All right. If you've been raised with Christ. So if you have, and he's, the implication is in the, in the Greek, it's, and you have been. He's saying, uh, he's writing to these Colossian believers, if you've been raised with Christ, and I believe you have, here's what you should do. But that raised with Christ, just like if is a big word we're going to unpack a little more in a second. Raised with Christ is a really important phrase. And he's referencing what he said in chapter 2, really starting in verse 12. So just flip the page real quick and check this out with me. Chapter 2, verse 12. He says, talking about believers, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God, who raised him from the dead. And you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, so again, you had this barrier between you and God because of your sin, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us 
all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. So he says, if you have experienced that, if you've been raised with Christ, so if you've been brought from death to life, remember the gospel is not about bad people becoming good people. It's about dead people becoming alive people. Good people don't go to heaven. People who have turned from their sin and turned to faith in Jesus Christ have been raised in him, have a new life in him. Those are the people that go to heaven. So he says, if you've been raised with Christ, if your story has gone from brokenness to to beauty, from fallenness to forgiven, if your story is wrapped up in the resurrected Savior, Jesus Christ, this is how you should live. So he, he doesn't say, if you want to know Jesus, you should do all these things, all these good things. He says, if you know Jesus, if you have a new life in Jesus, here's how it should change your life. Y'all tracking? The reason I'm like stopping on that so much is if, if we get that wrong, this turns into morality gospel, which is not gospel at all. What I mean by that is if you miss that he's saying, first comes being raised with Christ, first comes turning from your sin and trusting in the perfect life of Jesus and his resurrection and surrendering, surrendering to him as Lord, first comes being raised with him, that new life, then comes the changed life. So if you try to have a changed life apart from Christ, it's not gonna work. Beyond that, if, you, if your motivation for change and becoming a, quote, better person is anything but the gospel of Jesus, is anything but being raised with Christ, it won't last. I always uh, mess up how to say his name. Simon Sinek, is that, Jack, am I saying it right? Simon Sinek, I think so. He wrote the book, uh, start with why, he has it right. If you don't understand why you're doing something, you're either gonna get the what wrong, the how wrong, or you're just gonna quit because you're kind of like, why am I doing this? Like, I remember I, I didn't um, go out for high school football because at, you know, uh, 5, 10, 130 pounds at the time, I'm way bigger now. <laughs> um, as a freshman in high school, maybe 120 pounds at the time, it was like, do I really want to go out and get destroyed on the field every day at practice to sit on the bench on Friday night. I was like, I don't wanna do that. <laughs> the why was not big enough for me, right? So I didn't do it. If you don't have a good why, it's probably not gonna be real or it's not gonna be lasting. So he says, if you've been raised with Christ, and talking to believers, if you have trusted Jesus, he's talking to you. If you've been raised with Christ, this is what should happen. This is what you should do. Seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. This idea of seek, it's, uh, uh, the, the, I think the NIV says, set your heart on. This is the idea that your, your pursuit, your, your desire, what you chase after should be things above and he says, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. So seated in a place of honor and authority. So if we could uh, simplify it, narrow it down, he says, seek the things, treasure, chase after, 
pursue, set your heart on who? Jesus. And when it says the things above, I think that's the idea of the kingdom. So on Jesus and the things of his kingdom. So his righteousness. I want to seek mercy. Mercy. I want to seek justice. I want to seek racial reconciliation. I want to do the things that he cares about because my eyes, my heart is set on him. And if you were to say, well, Bernard, you can't make your heart do something. You can't control what you feel. I would say, okay, I got you. But Jesus said, where your treasure is, there your what? Your heart will be also. Where you invest, where you put your treasure, your heart soon follows. I remember a, uh, gosh, it's probably ninth grade, Sunday school teacher telling us, talking about dating and saying, be careful who you date because if you spend enough time with anybody, you can fall in love. If you spend enough time, if you spend enough time, AKA treasure, invest, enough time with anybody, you can fall in love with them. You end up through investing, you tell your heart where to go. So if you were to say, man, I I can't really control what I seek, what I chase after, what I pursue, I would say, it's not true. You chase after, you seek, you pursue by investing. He says, seek the things that are above where Christ is. I love, uh, if I can find it here, John Piper said this is, Seek, this is the pathway to the mindset shaped by the things above. Seek them, pursue them, chase them, track them down, hunt them down, seize them, hold on to them, then gaze at them, dig into them, understand them, taste them, savor them, treasure them. By the way, this is not passive. This is not like, because you're raised with Christ, if things go well, you're gonna end up seeking after him. No, it's a command to seek after Jesus. No one accidentally wakes up one day and is like, man, I'm so in love with Jesus. No, it's a command. They're actively seeking after him, seeking after the things of God. So if you've been raised with Christ, if you know Jesus, then you should pursue after him. You should seek him. He says more than that. Verse two, set your minds on things that are above, not on the things that are on earth. I want to walk through this in reverse order, things that are on earth. So we typically, like when I've historically, I guess it's the word, uh, typically when I've read this verse, I always think things of earth, like don't focus on things of earth, like, well, I guess I can't watch as much sports or I guess I need to cut out Instagram, which it could be those things. But in context, the things of earth really are unpacked in chapter two. It's interesting. He's not just talking about the things that would distract us in this world, which again, it could be sports, it could be Instagram, it could be a relationship that's not godly. But the context of Colossians, the things of this world, where this self-made man religion of I'm gonna try to, I'm going to try to earn something with God, I'm going to try to prove something with him, I'm going to try to keep his favorite. All the focus is on who then? Yourself. It's on me. It says, Don't be focused on the things of this earth, which could be uh, self-glory, fame, comparison, how spiritual or non-spiritual am I to that person? Self-made religion. He says, don't focus on, remember in chapter two, this, uh, the elemental principles of if I do all these things right, then then maybe I'll be right with God. He says, no, that's not where your focus should be because you've been raised with Christ. It says, instead, set your minds on things that are above. Again, set my mind on Christ. Set my mind on what he cares about, what 
he thinks about, what he loves. Set your mind. That is a determined action. I'm going to intentionally set my mind on something. We've said this before, maybe it'll stick. Martin Luther said, you can't keep the birds from flying over your head, but you can keep them from building a nest in your hair. A friend of ours says, everybody accidentally walks through the mud sometimes. It's a whole nother thing to lay down a waller in it. You can't always control the thoughts that pop into your mind, but you can control what you do with them. God, because he gave us the spirit, gave us the ability to kind of get, I don't mean this in a weird way, but like to almost, just as a visual, to kind of look outside of ourselves and look at what we're actually thinking about. So you can stop, when you're thinking something, you can stop and think, wait a second, am I setting, am I right now setting my mind on things that are above, or is my mind just aimlessly wandering? You can stop, God gave us the ability to do this, Romans 12, your mind can be transformed. You can stop and think, I'm not gonna dwell on that. I'm gonna focus on what is good and true and right and lovely and pure. Set your mind. It's it's an intentional action. I've mentioned this before. um, Switch on your brain. Lauren, do you remember who wrote it? So I wasn't planning on saying this. One more time. Caroline Leaf. Leaf. Very pretty name. (laughs) Sorry. Um, Our daughter's name is Carolina, just so you know. Okay, so Caroline Leaf wrote Switch on Your Brain. And what's amazing is, I mentioned this early in the fall, Scientists are now discovering what scripture has said for a long time, that the mind can actually be transformed, that there's more plasticity to it than we originally thought. So by setting your mind on things above, you can literally begin to rewire, remold your brain. Isn't that awesome? (laughs) That's good news. So if I feel like I'm always thinking about the things of this earth and distracted on my own problems, the reality is if I begin to take control of my thoughts and intentionally determine to set my mind on Jesus, set my mind on things above, he begins to rewire my brain so it actually becomes a little bit easier with time. I'm really grateful for that, are you? That's awesome. So he says, seek the things above, set your mind on things above. And then in verses uh, three through four, he kind of gives us a reason why. He says, for because you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. You have died. This is not this like, man, you died, RIP, you gone. No, this is, you've died. It's a death that brings liberation. So you've been set free from your fleshly desires and fleshly impulses. Those don't have to control you anymore. There's not this barrier, what it talked about in chapter two, there's not this barrier between you and God because Christ paid the penalty for that and has removed that barrier. So when you put your faith in Christ, you died to yourself, Galatians 2.20, and now you have a new life in Christ. So it's this death, it's this surrender to Christ that brings liberation, right? There's actually freedom in dying with Christ. He says, your life is hidden with Christ. The, the, idea is, the idea here is identity, that your life is hidden, it's bound up. Your identity is in Christ. There's an important nuance here that's really cool. It says, when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. So here's what he's saying. Maybe uh, from your perspective, left, right, yeah, this way, okay. So he says, you've been, if you've been raised with Christ, and he's saying, believers, you have been, just remembering, if you've been raised with Christ, this is what you should do. You should set, 
or seek the things that are above where Christ is. You, you should pursue him. You should treasure him. You should invest in your relationship with him and what he cares about. And you should set your mind on him as well. You should intentionally say, I don't want just my affections to be for him. I want my mind to be thinking on the things of Jesus. Again, it goes back to because I've been raised with him. And then on the back end, he has another reason. He says, for your life has been hidden with Christ and God. He's saying, your identity is in Jesus. Who you are, your worth, your value is defined in Jesus. But he says, hidden, because to, the, to just the human eye, like when, when, if you're at a restaurant and people are walking in, I, mean, I guess you could try to do this, it'd be super creepy, but as people are walking in, you're not going, Christian, non-Christian, Christian, definitely not a Christian, like... <laughs> No, you, you can't tell just by people walking in, right? It's hidden. Now, hopefully, if you spend time with somebody, you can begin to see, you should be able to see there's something different about them. But it's not always completely obvious that they are a child of God, that they've been raised with Christ. And I think when it says hidden, it's encouraging to me because sometimes we forget that we've been hidden in Christ. What I mean is, don't tell, don't tell Pastor David but there are days I wake up and I don't feel like much of a Christian. No, seriously though. Y'all, are y'all like that? Sometimes you wake up, like our son this morning, which you know, he's not saved yet, he's only two, but um, he is not feeling very Christian this morning. Like he woke up, he's just in a bad mood. I'm more like my son than I wish. <laughs> you wake up, what's wrong with you? I don't know. <laughs> Say. It's hidden to you sometimes. It's not always obvious. You, you forget the glory that you've been raised with Christ, that you've been completely forgiven of all your sin. You are now adopted son or daughter of God. It can be hidden. It can be veiled to us. But he says, listen, there's coming a day, verse four, when Christ returns, that you will also appear with him in glory. When Christ returns, it won't be so hidden. <laughs> it will not be hidden who you really are, your true identity as a child of God. So what he's saying is, even right now, because you've been raised with Christ, because you're, you should seek the things above, you should set your mind on the things above. And again, on the backside, the motivation is because you are a child of God. That's your identity. And here's the key. You become what you behold. He's saying, set your eyes on Christ because of all he's done for him, but because you're also supposed to be made to the image of Christ, you're supposed to start looking more like Jesus, which is what he's gonna go to in the rest of chapter three and really a lot of the rest of the book. But it begins with where your eyes, where your mind, where your heart is fixed. You become what you behold. So what is Paul saying, if I could just kind of sum all this up? He's saying, believer, if you've been raised with Christ, if you know the life-transforming power of Jesus, then set your mind on him. Really simply, pursue him. Your relationship with Jesus should change your heart's pursuit. Amen? Makes me think, I think I, I may have shared this uh, with college students several years ago. That's okay. We're good. Um, some of y'all, if you don't remember him, it's okay, but one of my buddies, Garrett, was a high school pastor here for, uh, I think, nine years, and then he's up in Tennessee now doing really well. But uh, Garrett um, met Chelsea when he was 30, I think, Miss Pam, something like that, 29, 30. So Garrett had established uh, 
just, uh, he had established a good bachelor pad and so good bachelor rhythms. And some of y'all that know him are, uh, are shaking your head yes. And if you don't, you can just imagine, right? So to describe that a little bit, um, I remember Garrett one time saying, man, I think I'm going to try to chill out on Chick-fil-A a little bit. It's making me gain some weight. I was like, what do you mean? Like Chick-fil-A is not terrible. And he was like, well, like a lot of nights I'll go through and I'll get, I'll get two number ones. <laughs> wow. <laughs> like, like you get two sandwiches and two fries and two drinks. He's like, yeah, so good. I'm like, All right. <laughs> um, I remember uh, he, man, he, and he still is a huge sports guy, but he uh, ate, breathed, slept sports. And he still kind of does, but man, he, that, was, that was his life. I remember often he would want to, uh, I think once a week or so, he would say, dude, hey, bring the bike. 4.30, we're going to cut out early and we're going to go hit the trails. Um, and then on the way out to go riding bikes, we would, we would talk sports or whatever. Well, I remember, we'll give you the short version, but I remember it was October uh, 2014, I think, something like that. Uh, maybe 2013, it doesn't matter. And uh, the Jones, Brian and Amy Jones, so Pastor David's uh, daughter and son-in-law, we're going to have Chelsea, who is now Garrett's wife, spoiler alert, but have Chelsea come visit out here. And they were like, Garrett, you need, to, you need to meet Chelsea. You need to go on a double date with her. And so Garrett was super weirded out by this. Like he did not like people playing matchmaker. He was super nervous about it. And so he was like, Hayes, Hayes, uh, I need you and Lauren to hang out upstairs when church is out. Just hang out because Chelsea's coming upstairs. And if it gets weird, I just need you guys to bail me out. <laughs> Such a bro thing to say. We're like, okay, for sure. Yeah. So we, we did, we studied after middle school, high school, let out. And I remember we were in uh, Garrett's old office upstairs, and Lauren and I were hanging out, and at about 10 minutes into the time of the four of us being in there, Lauren and I were like, why are we here? Like, they're just talking to each other, he, they're laughing, and like, he won't break eye contact with her, it's slightly creepy. Um, and so eventually we're just like, all right, I, I think y'all are good, we're going to go. We didn't say that, but I'm thinking like, bro, this is, this is going really well, we're just going to mess it up if we stay. So we're like, hey, see y'all later. Well, the next day, he wanted to get lunch with her. So he, uh, she rode in his car, maybe, I think, Brian and Amy, and I was going to drive my truck and meet them at West Crust when it used to be on 82nd. Garrett used to go, no, another place, he used, to, he used to go and get the Beast pizza all the time, eat it just himself. Anyways, so he's, uh, no shame, Garrett, if you're watching this at some point. Um, but uh, yeah, so they're riding in the car, I'm riding behind them, and Garrett, again, he'd gone to West Crust all the time. And I start to get in the middle lane as we're headed west on 82nd to pull into West Crust, and Garrett just shoots right on by. I, I knew what happened. I thought, he is so distracted by this girl. Like, and sure enough, he gets out of the parking lot, and when he, he pulls, comes back and gets out of the car, and he's like, sorry, dude, I'm just, I'm just really amped right now. <laughs> he's like, just so pumped. Um, so then fast forward, things are going well. Well, then crazy things start to happen, like we're, we're uh, driving in the car, I think one Monday, to go uh, ride the trails out at May Simmons, which I haven't done that in years. But anyways, ride the trails out there, going in the car. And all of a sudden, instead of listening to sports radio, Garrett is on the phone with uh, a flower shop in Tennessee ordering flowers for Chelsea. And I'm like, who is this man? <laughs> like, what is, this is really good, good but like, what happened? And some of y'all that saw it, whether you saw it or not, you can you can imagine now, what happened is she became the centerpiece of his life. <laughs> In a good way. I'm not trying to say she's, she kicked Jesus out of there. I'm not, I'm not, just like, she became the focus of his life. His relationship with her changed everything for him. All of a sudden, 
Garrett started wanting to save money. I was like, bro. He's like, you know what? I don't think I need that new iPad. I'm going to save money. I'm like, she's changing you, man. <laughs> his thoughts, his desires begin to center around her. And you know what? That was a really healthy, good thing because of, her, because of his relationship with her. Your relationship should change your pursuit. If you've been raised with Christ, you've been brought into a relationship with Christ, that should change your heart's pursuit, your mind, your thoughts, what you're chasing after. And if you're like, hey, hey, that, that's all good, Brandon, like cute story, but what in the world does that mean? If, you, if I were to tell you, you know what, you need to, because of the text, what it says, you need to seek Christ, you need to pursue Christ, set your mind on things above, that sounds really good, but you could walk out and like, I have no idea how to do that. Kind of like when you've been in like physics class or biology class, you're like, sounds really good, I have no idea what we're talking about. So I, I, uh, we're gonna make a, a turn here to some, some serious application. This is not legalism, this is not a checklist of, all right, if I wanna set my eyes on Christ, I have to do all these things. No, don't, don't do that. Don't go all Colossians, new age, bad, false teachers on me, no. Remember, we're gonna set our mind on Christ because we've been raised with Christ. So this is not how you get God's love. This is not how you earn God's love. He already loves you. The cross proves that. So here's what I did um, this week to have some fun and not just give you my ideas. Uh, I asked four people who I really respect, and if I didn't ask you, it's not because I don't respect you. I, I just wanted to set the number at four. There's lots of people I could ask, okay? So don't, don't take it personally. But I asked four people who I really respected uh, or do respect their, their walk with Christ to weigh in on this. I sent them a text um, and said, hey, I kind of outlined the sermon and said, hey, what does this look like for you to set your mind on things above, to pursue the things of Jesus? And I'll, I'll pause here. Something that we have to say and that all of them actually mentioned without me uh, prodding was scripture and prayer. You can't set your mind on things above. You can't seek the things above. You can't seek Jesus if you're not willing to dig into scripture and talk with him. Amen? And if you're like, I feel like every week you say that, you're right. <laughs> Because the truth. If you're going to set your mind on him, you're going to seek him, you've got to dig into scripture. You've got to spend time talking to him. I think, uh, just as a quick side note, because we want to help you, if, if you're like, man, I'm not so sure on the, on the uh, getting into scripture part, man, we have a great reading plan online or on the app, South Christ Reading Plan. If you're not sure what prayer looks like, my favorite book on prayer is A Praying Life by Paul Miller. We have it back there for like, very cheap. <laughs> um, love to help you get that. All right, so some, some things. Um, first, I asked Gary Beatty, who's our, our missions pastor here at the church. He, I'm gonna give you their age because I think it's helpful to know I'm, we're all over the spectrum here. He's in his uh, 70s. Gary said, I'm just gonna paraphrase some of this, that music, i.e. Corbin, <laughs> um, he said music plays a huge part with him. He said, he's amazed by how when he gets in the truck and driving somewhere and he puts on some, for him, it's, it's, it's gospel music. I'm not really a gospel music kind of guy, but that's okay. Um, he likes kind of like Gaither style, which is awesome. I actually had some playing here earlier. It was, it was awesome. Um, anyways, he loves the Gaithers and that, he said that helps him get his mind on Christ. Uh, he said another thing, and actually it's, it's funny, he was so passionate about it. He came and talked to me like three or four times during the week about this um, and showed me some pictures and things. He said getting out in creation is huge for him. Now, he, now, my first thought was like, what does he mean? Like he goes somewhere? I think we can use that as a cop-out. Like, well, 
Lubbock's awesome, but we don't have mountains. We don't have rivers. We don't have the ocean. No, Gary said, no, man. He said, it's as simple as, he said, every morning I go on a walk and I just, I'm really intentional about looking at the sunrise and thinking about God's glory and majesty and beauty. He said, sometimes it's just, he said, sometimes I'll just stop and literally smell the flowers <laughs> and check out God's intricacies in, in design. He said, when I think of, when I look at creation, I can't help but see God. He said, another thing he does, um, which is really cool, he's our missions pastor. He said, he intentionally, I don't think he has like a set rotation, but he, set, he takes time throughout his day, maybe as he's driving or walking, to just think about lost people and how we can reach them. That's pretty cool. <laughs> he just says, I'm driving and thinking like, man, and he'll, he'll, he'll stop and think about um, all of the, good, the goodness he has in Jesus, all the blessings he has in Christ. And he says, he'll just pray for people that don't know Jesus. And he'll say, I want them to experience what I've experienced. And he says, that stirs his heart for lost people. And does Jesus care about lost people? Yes. So again, your relationship should determine your priorities. When you love, like with Garrett and Chelsea, because he began to love Chelsea, he began to care about the things that Chelsea cares about. When you love Jesus, you begin to care about things that Jesus cares about, like people that don't know, don't know Christ. Um, this is from uh, Holly Beatonbow. She, I, I, I don't know how old Holly is, and I'm not gonna tell you, but she, she's, she's a wonderful lady. <laughs> um, anyways, Holly, uh, I, I said that out of respect for her because I respect the mess out of her. Um, I'm gonna read some of hers because I think the way she wrote it was super cool. She said, the story of Joseph in the Bible speaks so much to my heart regarding this topic. And I emailed her about this sermon. It reminds me that there are always two stories happening simultaneously. By the way, you should lean in. This is really good, okay? There's the upper story, the story according to God's view, as he sees it, that is working his purposes and bringing about his desires and plans. And there's the lower story, the story of what we are experiencing in the natural, our situation, our circumstances, and our resulting emotions. For Joseph, the Lord worked through difficult natural circumstances to get Joseph in the position he had for him. The Lord taught Joseph all he needed to know, humbled him, developed his character, and prepared him for his God-given role and purpose through the circumstances Joseph experienced. All right, so here, this is, this is really good. This example reminds me that God is always for me and is always working the greatest good through the most effective means for the greatest number of people. Knowing this causes me to face the lower story with the heart that trusts he is bringing about his upper story. I can recognize that his purpose is far greater than my current circumstance. And I can realize that whatever happens in the lower story is not the end, but in many cases is the beginning. So, I feel like, man, it's really good, but what do I do with that? She said, so here's how I'm learning to pray. By the way, I would be happy to give you these after the service if you like them. She says, she prays like this. Lord, how do you see this situation? What does it look like from your perspective? Please give me your heart so that I might understand all you desire for me to understand. Please give me your eyes that I might see all you desire for me to see in this situation. God, I desire your will, so help me not work against you, but with you. Lord, how do you want me to, t 
talk or speak in this situation. And the last thing she said um, was that she just tries to every day practice remembering that Jesus is in every moment. That he's always there with you. So one really cool way that I saw this uh, actually happen, um, we're at a retreat thing with Lauren's work and we're riding in the car with um, Holly and her husband and we were talking about something related to the church and we're just driving and talking and all of a sudden I realized Holly's praying but it's like we just kept having this conversation. And it wasn't like she was like, all right, everyone, all right, here, shh, hey, focus, psh, we're gonna pray. We're just talking and all of a sudden she's just like, yeah, and God, that's so cool. And it was this perfect demonstration of she's not just bluffing, she's doing what she's talking about, that she literally just remembers that, like, right, it's not like God is this other out and other, no, God's right here and we can just talk to him. Lauren said they've been at work and like having a conversation with Holly and all of a sudden Holly's like, and Lauren, I'm sorry, and God, we just pray for Lauren that you would encourage her and bless her and give her wisdom right now and uh, thank you for doing that. All right, Lauren, see you later. And Lauren's like, well, we just talked with God, like, right, we just, we just did it. <laughs> What if we started setting our mind on things above, seeking the things of Jesus by just realizing that he's already in the moment, he's already working, and actually he's inviting us to be a part of what he's doing. It's not that all right, I'm gonna stop and now invite God to do what I, what I'm, be a part of what I'm doing. It's no, God is at work and I just need to set my mind on what he's already doing. Y'all with me? So cool. I asked our very own Dubois Shodi Pei, um, about this as well. I'm going to pick up the pace a little bit because of what time it is. Um, not because it wasn't great. <laughs> um, she said, uh, Deborah just graduated college from TTU. Represent, way to go. Um, she said she hangs up scripture all around her room on her mirror. She said, what's so cool is she's found that occasionally throughout the day or evening, she's thinking about something worried and she just looks over across at the wall and her eyes fall on God's word and God's word begins to transform her heart and mind right there in the moment. So she's literally set up around her room and maybe even after some people put verses in their car, just ways to constantly seek the things above, set their mind on things above. She mentioned uh, music and TV. Y'all don't buy the lie. Oh, what I'm listening to doesn't have an effect on me. That, that's a lie, all right? If you've told your parents that, you should apologize to them later, okay? Parents, I see parents looking down the road right now. Yeah, don't tell your parents, well, it doesn't, that, that's just not true. Or what I, what I watch, I can kind of filter. It doesn't affect me. Wrong. <laughs> if Jesus was sitting beside you, would he be going, I really like how you're setting your mind on things above right now. <laughs> what are you listening to? What are you watching? She said that journaling is really helpful, helpful for her in helping her process what she's thinking and feeling and setting it back on Christ. Uh, I don't know if we've talked about this before, Deborah, but... Um, Ben Stewart says something he does every morning. He writes down, what am I feeling? And processes that. And then he processes, why am I feeling that? And does his why match up with scripture? And if his why reveals his heart is not matched up with scripture, he goes back to scripture, right? Man, if I'm obsessed and worried about whatever's happening over here, where am I off of scripture? Where am I off, off base? And then one last thing she mentioned, again, she also mentioned the power of music. And I love this. Deb said her worship times are not reserved. Uh, she's in the journey, so they're not reserved for Tuesday nights when they meet, journey meets, and Sunday mornings. She sets apart times in her week. She literally turns on some worship music and just worships Jesus. We're going to find out where she lives so we can go listen to her voice and see how good it is. <laughs> um, man, set aside times in your week. Maybe it's driving in the car. 
By the way, a venue needs to record some music, amen, so we can have the venue band in our car, right, represent. Anyways, I need to focus, okay. Um, <laughs> music has a big part. I know it was gonna go along here, sorry. Last but not least, our new journey pastor, uh, Cole Rhodes. Um, man, I, I love what he gave. He gave a lot, I don't know if he meant to, should have asked you. He gave a lot of questions he asked himself. Keep in mind, this makes, he's, a, he's a pastor here, so that, a little context. He says, he asked himself, again, as he's trying to set his mind on things above, not on things of this earth, he says, Cole, is this sermon about you and for you, or is it for Jesus? Cole, have you truly pondered Christ being glorified in what you are about to say, or is this really just about you looking good? I wish you wouldn't have asked that. It's very convicting. All right. Um, he says it also is with possessions. Cole, do you want this planner or this whatever it is. We just bought some new planners because we're nerds. <laughs> um, do you want this planner because it helps you glorify Christ or because it can help you be more successful? Are you buying a house to use this for the glory of Jesus or to get the status of a homeowner? Is your strong desire to buy, have, acquire this so strong because your mind is on Christ or because it's not on Christ? Answer yes or no. Not, eh, I don't know. Yes or no. And then the last thing he mentioned, which I love so much, he said he preaches the gospel to himself. I'm gonna use the way he wrote it. God, speaking to himself, God loved you and knew you intimately before the world began. Christ loved you so much that he put up an eternal banner on the cross to forever announce his love for you and the length he'll go to reconcile you to the Father. You are loved by God and saved by Jesus and he is your identity. Remember that, believe that, live that, keep that on your mind. All right, so through all of those, we're gonna wrap up here. Do you see all the intentionality between all those things? Check your head, yes. Intentional, not just, well, I'll wake up and maybe I'll walk with God. No, I'm gonna intentionally seek him. I'm gonna set my mind on him. I'm gonna pursue him because I have a new life in Christ. My identity is in him. I want to know him more. I wanna be like him. So I'm gonna pursue him. I'm gonna set my mind on things above. If you, were, if you asked, was God being selfish? Does he just not want us to have fun? Is he the fun patrol, not the Paw Patrol, but the fun patrol? <laughs> no. It would be wrong for God not to tell us to seek him. There's no one, nothing more satisfying, more exciting, more enjoyable, more thrilling than Jesus. So when he tells us, seek, seek me, set your eyes on me, pursue me, it's for our own good. It's not because he has some ego trip. No, it's because he knows what's good for us. And there's no one else deserving of our focus and pursuit like Jesus. I gotta, I gotta wrap up. I, sorry, I could keep going, but that's not a good idea. Um, okay, so the question is, are you serious about pursuing the things of Jesus? First, actually, the first question is, have you been raised with Christ? If you've not been raised with Christ, the first step is to realize you're a sinner and to turn to Jesus. Trust his perfect life, death, and resurrection. That on the cross, he took on your sin, and when you trust him, he, puts on, he places on you his righteousness. He imparts to you his goodness. That you, he look, God looks at you as though you lived the life of Christ. Have you trusted that for salvation? And have you confessed him as Lord to, to repent from sin and say, Jesus, you're in charge of my life. I wanna follow you. If you haven't done that, and now's the time to do that.
If you're still not sure what that looks like, I would love to talk with you. One of the pastors, me or one of the pastors would love to talk with you after the service, right down here. If you have done that, then the question is, what does it look like for you to seriously pursue Jesus, to set your mind on him? Maybe it's first asking, am I doing that? And then maybe another good question is like, are there things that are distracting me? I, I think God had to tell us to do this. It's a command because we don't, this is not our default, right? Like the human nature doesn't wake up in the morning like, all right, I want to pursue Jesus. No, 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 that's not our default. So he says, hey, you got to be intentional about this. Pursue me. It's what's best for you. Find your greatest pleasure and purpose in me. So I want to give you a moment to just talk with God and consider what does that look like for you to pursue him. Ask that the Holy Spirit would guide you, lead you to some things that you could do to begin to pursue him. Hey, before you do that, can, can we just look here? I've been praying for us this week. Man, what if we just quit going through the motions of having the same old, same old, yeah, I go to South Crest, I go to the venue. What if we started changing the places we work, the places that we live, our whole community, because we got serious about pursuing Jesus. I'm pausing here because you're gonna see the rest of Colossians 3 is about how our life should change and how that impacts the people around us. But the first step after being raised with him, the first step is pursuing him. We're not gonna change dadgum anything if we don't pursue Jesus. You can't relegate Jesus to Sunday morning, Wednesday night, Tuesday night, if you're super spiritual. I'm just kidding. Um, you can't relegate him to five-minute quick devo in the, in the morning and then expect, expect to turn the world upside down. It's a consistent, perpetual, heartfelt, mind-focused pursuit of Jesus day in and day out. Man, are we going to do that? I'm not just trying to rally you up. I mean, I am a little bit, but like, it's because I mean it. <laughs> Let's get serious about pursuing Jesus. I got to stop. Okay, okay, I'll stop. (laughs) Let's pray. And I want you to ask Jesus to show you how you can this week be intentional about setting your mind on things above. And after I pray, we're going to sing one really good song that just prays, I want to be like you, Jesus, because of the gospel. What a good way to end. I'm going to pray. And y'all pray that God will speak to you. Jesus, thank you for raising us. Thank you that we can have new life because of you. Or I feel like I just need to be quiet and let you speak to our people, to me. But we're just gonna ask that you would show us what it looks like to set our hearts and our minds on you, to pursue you, not just as a cliche, not just as hype, but in practicality, how can we pursue you so that we can know you and so that the gospel, your kingdom, can be experienced more and more here in Lubbock and around the world. Please show us. If you are encouraged by today's talk, be sure to subscribe and rate us wherever you stream your podcast. The goal of the venue is to help you find your greatest pleasure and purpose in Jesus by being relational, helpful, hopeful, and real. Thanks again for listening to the Venue Podcast.